issue of Essential Environmental. Today we're going to be talking about challenging citizen suit standing in the environmental law context and why that's still fruitful ground as a defense to the entire action. Many of the federal and state environmental laws invite citizens to sue as private attorney general to force compliance or to force a governmental agency to perform its mandatory duties. A typical federal environmental citizen suit provision allows any person, and by any we mean any individual or corporate person, to begin a lawsuit on its own behalf against any person on the other side of the verses. And by person there, we also mean any individual or corporate entity who violates an environmental prohibition. In other words, prohibition against releasing a contaminant, or if it's a business operating under permit, releasing a contaminant over and above permit limits, or failing to report as required under a permit. They can also pursue an action against a governmental entity for not performing any mandatory act or duty it may have under statute. Environmental citizen suits were first allowed some 30 years ago on the basis that allowing individuals and organizations to take legal action to ensure compliance with federal and state environmental laws would provide a backstop against lax federal or state enforcement. Citizen suits are designed to work in cooperation with federal and state enforcement entities to uphold minimum levels of environmental protection and to protect against a relaxation of environmental standards. Standing is almost always an issue in citizen suits. Citizens seeking to enforce federal or state environmental laws must prove compliance with legal standing requirements. So, what does legal standing mean? At its most basic, standing refers to the right of a party to challenge the conduct of another party in court. Standing does not pertain to the actual issues of a case. Instead, standing focuses on the parties to the lawsuit and where they stand, so to speak, in relationship to each other. At the federal level, cases cannot be pursued on grounds that an individual or group is displeased with a government action or law or its lack of enforcement. Federal courts only have the constitutional authority to resolve actual disputes. In Lou John versus Defenders of Wildlife, a 1992 Supreme Court case, the court created a three-part test to determine whether a party has standing to sue. The first part requires the plaintiff to have suffered an injury in fact, a term that means that the injury is of a legally protected nature, an injury which is concrete, particularized, and actual or imminent. Step two, there must be a causal connection between the injury and the conduct brought before the court. And step three, it must be likely rather than speculative, that a favorable decision by the court 
will redress or resolve the injury. Standing, therefore, tests a party's ability to bring and to maintain a lawsuit based on their stake in the outcome. Standing still constitutes a viable defense to an environmental citizen suit lawsuit as standing will not be conferred on a citizen plaintiff based solely on evidence of a statutory or procedural right to sue. Rather, a plaintiff's injury must be both concrete and particularized. That requirement came from a 2016 U.S. Supreme Court decision known as Spokio v. Robbins. That was a case involving an alleged violation under the Fair Credit Reporting Act. In Spokio, Thomas Robbins discovered in a search for him on Spokio's informational website that it listed incorrect data regarding his marital status, parental status, job type, wealth. It even had an incorrect profile picture. Let's just say that Spokio's informational website got it all wrong. So, Robbins sued Spokio for allegedly violating the statute. The Supreme Court granted review to determine if Robbins had satisfied the concreteness prong of the standings injury-in-fact element by merely alleging a violation of the Fair Credit Reporting Act without any additional harm. In its decision, the Supreme Court defined a concrete injury as one that must actually exist. As the Supreme Court noted, even a plaintiff with a complete statutory cause of action cannot sue in federal court without showing physical, monetary, or cognizable, intangible harm traditionally recognized as providing a basis for a lawsuit in our American judicial system. Since Spokio, its concrete and particularized injury requirements have not significantly uprooted plaintiff citizen standing in environmental cases, as many environmental cases are based on federal statutes that grant private individuals the right to sue. However, it's a big however, however, Spokio's holding should not be ignored in the environmental citizen suit realm as it has played a part in upsetting environmental citizen suit standing. So, here are three cases to consider in that regard. The first is Roanoke River Basin Association versus Duke Energy Progress. That was a 2018 North Carolina decision in an environmental citizen suit case against a large electric utility. The plaintiffs, we'll just call them Roanoke River Association, they pursued a citizen enforcement action against defendant Duke Energy Progress, who was the owner and operator of the Mayo Steam Electric Power Plant. That plant produced electricity by burning coal to produce steam and generate power. Defendant planned to close the Mayo plant via a closure plan. Plaintiff's lawsuit alleged that defendant violated the Resource Conservation and Recovery Act, known as RICRA, 
and the coal combustion residuals rule by not preparing a closure plan that met the specific statutory requirements in those statutes. The district court dismissed the case, finding that plaintiff lacked standing because the plaintiff failed to satisfy the two-part standard from Spokio. Here, the district court found that there was no nexus, no connection between the alleged injury, which was diminished use and enjoyment of the Roanoke River Basin and related waterways, and Duke's initial closure plan. The plaintiff alleged harm because its members, who recreated, fished, and owned property in the Roanoke River Basin, feared contamination and pollution from coal ash in groundwater. The court found that while the plaintiff alleged harms to its interest, it failed to allege facts demonstrating how those harms were fairly traceable to Duke Energy's preparation of an initial closure plan under the coal combustion residuals rule. The court also rejected plaintiff's standing argument based on a procedural violation. Quoting Spokio, the district court held that a plaintiff cannot allege a bare procedural violation divorced from any concrete harm and satisfy the constitutional injury in fact requirement. Plaintiff must show both a concrete injury and a procedural violation to have standing. Second case, let's consider another North Carolina case, Center for Biological Diversity and Sierra Club versus University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. This was a 2021 case. The defendant, the University of North Carolina, operated coal fire boilers regulated by Title V under the Federal Clean Air Act. The university was obligated to operate these stationary pollution sources, in other words, boilers, in compliance with an air pollution permit issued to the university. In relevant part, the plaintiffs, Center for Biological Diversity and Sierra Club, argued that the university violated various permit conditions relating to its record-keeping obligations. The University of North Carolina challenged plaintiff standing as to its record-keeping claims, alleging that they had not shown concrete injuries traceable to the alleged regulatory violations. The plaintiffs based their standing on allegations that the university's various failures to record, to inspect, to report, and monitor its emission sources concretely injured two of the plaintiff's members by exposing them to illegal and harmful pollutants. The plaintiffs, however, offered no evidence to support this contention. Rather, they asked the court to infer harm from excessive emission levels based on the fact that the university had not met its record-keeping and reporting obligations and, had it done so, the results would have shown emissions in excess of those authorized by their permits. The court 
rejected plaintiff's standing as to the record-keeping claims, holding that plaintiffs had not made a sufficient showing of having suffered concrete injury as a result of any record-keeping permit-related violation. The third and final case is a Seventh Circuit decision in Prairie Rivers Network versus Dingy Midwest Generation, another 2021 case, a case in which a nonprofit organization that advocated for clean water and healthy rivers filed a Clean Water Act citizen suit against Dingy Midwest Generation. We'll just call it Dingy. The lawsuit alleged that Dingy illegally discharged coal ash pollutants into groundwater, which in turn entered the middle fork of the Vermilion River, protected waters under the Clean Water Act. In Prairie Rivers Network, the Court of Appeal denied plaintiff standing based on the general allegations of harm. The court held, just as generalized harm to the forest or the environment will not alone support standing, generalized harm to a group of individual members will not do so for associational standing. By failing to allege facts sufficient to show that at least one of its members could sue in their own right, the Prairie Rivers Network had failed to show that it could sue on their behalf. So, takeaways. What do we have in relationship to uh, both on the national level and both in California as well? Statutory violations do not necessarily concrete, uh, constitute rather a concrete injury. In a post-Spokio world, an abstract injury does not constitute an injury in fact. Without any real-world harm, a statutory violation does not constitute a concrete injury. That was the message in Roanoke River Basin case we discussed above, where the court concluded that a plaintiff did not have standing when the complaint failed to identify an actual and concrete harm stemming from an alleged statutory violation. A plaintiff must show evidence of a real injury affecting plaintiff in a concrete manner. The Spokio case dictates that something more than a technical violation of a statute is required to confer standing. The violation of a statute completely divorced from any potential real-world harm is not sufficient to establish the injury-in-fact standing requirement we discussed as originating in Lujan and as further defined, refined, in Spokio. Spokio will apply to standing claims of organizations themselves, meaning that the organization must prove at any point in the case concrete evidence that the organization had suffered an injury in fact that gave rise to standing, fairly traceable to the violation, and likely to be redressed by a favorable decision by the court. In a similar manner, if a plaintiff is pursuing associational standing, under which an association seeks to establish standing solely 
as the representative of its members, associational members would have to prove the same three elements in a convincing and non-theoretical manner. So, when analyzing the merits of a citizen plaintiff suit in the environmental context, begin at the beginning by focusing on whether plaintiff meets the standing requirements. Because as we noted above, if you defeat the plaintiff standing, you have defeated the entire lawsuit. I hope I explained all this uh, clearly. If you have any questions, follow up. You can reach me at 714-852-6862 or via email at tmontoya, T-M-O-N-T-O-Y-A, at alvaradosmith.com. A-L-V-A-R-A-D-O-S-M-I-T-H dot com. And that information is, of course, on um, podcast uh, website. I thank you very much for listening and have a great day.